Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Deary. According to Ephesians 2 and 10, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. But because of this reality, you have now also become a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And the greater the threat you become, the greater the attack against you. But God has made us overcomers by establishing us in Christ. And now you must learn how to be established in Christ so that you can release the masterpiece and overcome the darkness. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the message. Welcome, everybody. Glad you all could be here today. Glad you weren't afraid of the virus this morning. You got out to came to church this morning. I'm going to talk about this today. Last time I was with you, last week we had an awesome message by Pastor Tracy. But the week before, I was with you and I talked to you about the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that says... You are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Amen. You are God's masterpiece in Christ for the purpose of good works. And we know that earlier in the passage it says nobody's saved by their works, lest somebody be able to brag about it. So we're not saved, or we don't don't come to Christ with good works to say, God, look, I'm justified. We say, no, no, God. I come to you as an imperfect, flawed individual. And I thank you for the grace of God that comes through Christ to be on my life so that I can walk like I have no flaws and still not brag about it. So I can live every day without the shame of my faults. Amen. I can live every day without the concern that someone discovers that I'm not perfect. Because I can tell you, I'm not. (laughs) And not only can I tell you I'm not, I'm not ashamed that I'm not. And at the same time, I don't have to live in my faults to prove that I'm not. See, the grace of God frees us to rise as high as we have faith to believe. As high as we have faith to believe. Because God is not limited in his ability to do things through us. It is our constant battle with who we were that holds us from what God desires for us. So, we're told in the book of 1 John that Our sins can be erased. That he blots it out. He acts like an advocate for us to clear us of all charges of guilt. So our salvation speaks to us because we now have to recognize and be able to, by faith, receive that you are a masterpiece. And every voice that tells you that you're not, you need to take that voice and introduce it to Jesus. Because it's not by works that I've done, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And that hope of glory, that that hope, what is that hope? Hope is what we intend or we would like to see the future look like. So the hope of glory is that we one day want to see the fullness of the glory of God. The God who made everything that we know and understand. My wife and I were in Hawaii uh, last year. And so we went to, we were in Hawaii, and when we first got there, we were amazed at certain things we saw. We saw this, these lava beds, 
And we saw kind of this, like, unbelievable. That this island that we're on was created by volcanic activity of the earth that God created. And we're on an island in the middle of the ocean because of this chain reaction. Oh my gosh. And then we walk around and we see how hard the lava is and how, how nothing can grow in it. And then we go to another part of the island and see this beautiful waterfall and all these unique plants. And we see all this stuff and it's like, wow, how do these two things dwell together on the same island? How are they there? Well, it's the glory of God. And every time we look up into the sky and we are in awe by the stars, if you can one day blot all the rest of the lights out and just look at the stars, you go, wow, oh my God, how beautiful this is. Well, it's part of God's handiwork. It's the glory of God. And what he says to us is, we're part of that masterpiece. We are part of that masterpiece. Not only are we part of that masterpiece, we have been given stewardship over this masterpiece. It is our job, our responsibility as stewards of the earth to take care of the earth. Now, what does that mean? It means that you need to be prepared in your life to allow God to let you release the masterpiece that's within you. Fully release it. But moments like this that we're in in our country and that we're in in our world testify about why it's so hard to release your masterpiece. One thing is our political systems that we're supposed to play a part in because we're part, we're American citizens. As, as, as living here in this country, you should participate in the government system. But as you participate in the government system, you must make sure that you are clear what you represent. And I am neither a Democrat nor a Republican. Not because I find one of them right or wrong, but ultimately I have a higher identity than that. Just like I don't walk around identifying by my sexuality. Because I have a higher identity than my sexuality. And I don't walk around being identified by my color. I don't walk around saying, hello, I'm a black man. I have a higher identity than that. And because I have a higher identity, why would I be identified by my lower identities? If you know who you are, I'll put it this way. When I was a kid, I lived in my neighborhood. We all had nicknames for each other, right? And so that was, I'm not going to tell you the nicknames people have for each other. <laughs> but we had all these nicknames for each other. They weren't the names our parents gave us, but they were, they were things, you do something and somebody sees you do it and that becomes your nickname, right? And whatever you do, your experiences, start, people start to call you by your experiences as opposed to calling you by your name. But when we grew up, we don't see each other and, well, I'll say it this way. When we grow up and we do try to identify each other by those nicknames, people say, that's not my name. That's what I was as a kid. You don't get to call me that anymore because I've evolved. I'm not what I used to be, so you don't get to walk around reminding everybody about what I used to be or what I did one time. You don't get to call me by those things. 
I went to a class reunion and somebody immediately said, I said, don't say that. (laughs) But understanding that you are God's masterpiece should start to become your identity. You, start, you should start to, as you come to know God in deeper ways, you should grow out of the old identity and you should begin moving forward. I want to tell you how to do it today. Because one of our struggles as believers is right now, am I this? Am I that? Who do I vote for? What do I do? Should I be afraid of this? Or should I be afraid of that? And all the conversations about fear paralyze people because that's what fear does. Fear comes and locks people into paralysis. Because you don't know what to do. And fear and confusion start to rule over your life. And when fear and confusion rule over your life, you, don't, you cannot be productive. You cannot even do things you know you can do when you're afraid. So right now we have this threat of a virus. And I'm going to tell you all you Christians, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? What is a Christian afraid of a disease for? The worst thing that can happen to you is die and go to heaven. So why are we walking around afraid? But even in that, God said, I'm a healer on top of that. But even in the middle of living your life, you cannot live in fear. (laughs) The book of Amos chapter 3. I had to change my direction a little bit today, and so I'm going to work with this new direction, and I hope you can follow me. Amos chapter 3, and I want to go to verse 7. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. When you get there, say amen. If you're not there, look at the screen. Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says, Surely the Lord does not... Excuse me. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Notice God doesn't do stuff in secret. God always reveals what he's doing. Now I want you to be very clear as I'm going to talk to you about this because I want you to understand prophetic ministry. I want you to understand how it works and I want you to understand why it's important. I want you to really listen clear. God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to the servants, the prophets. Sometimes the prophetic ministry has been misunderstood. And because it's been misunderstood, we have, we have um, be, been afraid of it. Or we haven't necessarily how to f- known how to flow into it. So prophetic ministry for the Christian always begins with what God says. So the very first prophetic ministry you have is not from a person. It's actually from your Bible. (laughs) The first prophetic ministry that you have is your Bible. Because that's God's word. And if you trust God's word, then you will hear God when he speaks. Because surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals it. What? The secret. Or the mystery. Remember when we read Ephesians chapter 1, it kept referring to the mystery, the mystery, the mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery is the secret that he's referring to here. 
And we know that the mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. In other words, Christ being in the church is the very first mystery there is. And God does not reveal things. He doesn't do things unless he reveals his secret to his prophets. And his prophets are part of the body of Christ. Okay? Real quick, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. I'm going to load you up with a lot of scriptures today, so take notes. But the point is going to be simple and clear. Amen. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. Verse 27. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. It says, And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. In other words, he came and told him what was going to happen, and it did indeed happen. But it didn't happen when he said it. It was for an appointed time. Right? Prophecy is not for now. You understand? Prophecy is not for now. Prophecy comes because, again, God doesn't do anything unless he shows it to his prophets. Right? But he can't show the prophet today and then it happens tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's no time to respond. See, the prophetic word comes to build preparation. When God came to Moses, excuse me, to Noah and said, Noah, it's going to rain. I want you to tell everybody it's going to rain. They said, what is rain? We've never seen rain before. He said, no, it's going to rain. And it's going to rain so bad that it's going to cover the whole earth. And according to scripture, he said it for 150 years. Now that challenges our mindset because we don't know a lot of 150 year old people. But for an extended period of time, this prophecy or this word of what is to come, comes. And it's announced to others. So why is that important to understand? It's important to understand because right here in the church, we're going to tell you stuff that's going to come. The Bible tells us stuff to be, that's coming. And we have to be aware that it's coming and not be surprised when it gets here. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes in diverse places. But these are just the beginning of woes. We already know that's coming. So why are we afraid? Because a disease has come. We know hard things are coming against the earth. We know that. But we also know that God is a protector of his people in the middle of it. So understand, there's going to be bad things that happen. There's going to be things that happen around us we don't like, we don't want, we don't appreciate. But guess what? There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There are verbal wars going on in our country right now. We're arguing over everything. I told you guys before. I read some legislation that makes it even more strict. Now, there's already registration about, uh, I mean, uh, legislation about how we treat frogs in, in the state of California. It's already there, right? It's there. But guess what? It's going to be harder on you if you mess with a frog. (laughs) 
it's going to be harder. Because there's new legislation that says we need to protect the frog more. So we were filming a video, and we had these little kids. We were filming them, and one of the kids went down the creek and had a frog. And so the kid was holding a frog in the jar. And we got in trouble for having a frog in a jar. When I was a kid, I had so many frogs in jars. <laughs> to my mother's dismay. Because <laughs> I wasn't really aware about how to clean a jar properly when I was catching frogs. But that's another story. <laughs> All the world, which happened also in the days of Claudius Caesar, verse 29. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. In other words, they heard about the famine and they recognized it was their responsibility to respond. Sometimes we hear prophetic words and we don't, we don't, we don't recognize God gives a word so that you can respond not so we can say, well, I wonder whether it's true. No, true or not, respond. Respond to what you understand is happening. Look, let's go to the rest of this. Uh, verse 30. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So again, prophetic words come so that the church can take action. That's always the case. It is always so the church can take action. Let's take a look at the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I told you I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles is after 1 Chronicles. <laughs> I thought I'd give you a little hint there. <laughs> That helped. Uh, okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad that helped. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. I think I, yeah, there we go. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Look at this. It says, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be what? Established. If you believe God, you'll be established. In other words, in the middle of, of crisis, in the middle of, of words that are flying, in the middle of all this, we can't necessarily get so anchored on, on the left or the right that we can't communicate with each other because ultimately you have to believe God. <laughs> believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Today we sang that song. Solid, my solid rock. Woo! What is this thing about a solid rock? It's to be established and firm, to be stable, yes. To be stable. If God establishes you, he makes you stable. <laughs> I remember there was, a, there was an election once. And I went to work, and one of our senior managers had to leave a meeting that we were in. And so he left the meeting, and we said, well, what happened? Is this an emergency, a family emergency? They said, no, some of his employees are crying in the office because of the election. (laughs) 
grown <laughs> adults in the workplace. And this particular group is one of the highest level groups in the organization. And they are crying the morning after an election. I had, a, I had a real struggle with that. But it helped me understand this issue of believe God and you will be established. Because when your hope is in men, your hope is not solid. There's some people who voted for uh, different people because they... They represented the interests of what people wanted to hear. In other words, I want to elect Derry because Derry said he's going to give his dad big bucks every month for the rest of his life. <laughs> I want to vote for that guy. <laughs> you got it? Yeah, you got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I vote for him because he's got my, he, he tells me his interest. Except when he gets elected, he finds out he told everybody that. And he can't pay everybody. So I'm expecting to get big things and I get a nickel. Because a man's promise, but he's good on his word, so I'm, I'm, I'm holding on him. A man's promise is delicate. See, we promise our kids uh, an inherent promise to kids that we're going to take care of our kids. We're going to, we, you know, we're going to take it. We're going to do everything we can for our kids. Most kids grow up and feel like their parent didn't do everything that they could have did for them. And it doesn't make a difference if you work five jobs to take care of your kids. Your kids will say you was never there. <laughs> and then you spend every day with them, every single day you're there. And say, we didn't have anything. <laughs> because promises from human beings are always left to the interpretation of the person receiving it. But inside, what we all have to have is not more promises. It's actually to be established. To be firm. To be in life where we are not afraid because we trust in where we stand. Believe the Lord your God, he shall establish, you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. In other words, there is the general promise of God that when we stand on things that God has spoken, if we stand on God's word, we'll be established. But then there's the more focused, when he sends a word to you prophetically, then you prosper. But we're told that we should meditate on the word to prosper. So it's always the word that prospers. Amen? Go, uh, go up to verse, uh, verse 1 here in the same chapter, verse 1. It says, and it happened that after this. Now, whenever something happens after something, that means something happened before. Right? So we need to know what happened before so we understand. And in this case, Jehoshaphat was put in rulership. 
He was made the king. And he starts establishing the kingdom and saying, hey, we want to have the we want to have judges. We want to have prophets. We want to have all the things that we're supposed to have in our government. Okay, and that is the Jewish government of this season, the the government of Israel. It happened that after this, when he starts setting things in place, the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Hear this, church. Whenever the church, you as the church, whenever you start to become established, whenever you start to put things in order, you feel like you're getting all the pieces in place, the enemy's coming. When you believe that you've got it all together, well, oh man, life is going to be great because I just got this last piece of the puzzle I was putting together. Somebody's going to say, nope, we got a bigger puzzle for you. And so these enemies immediately come against him. So by the time we get to verse 20, what we just read, he's having to tell the people, don't be afraid. We're going to listen to God and we're going to be established. We're going to hear the words of his prophets and we're going to prosper against this enemy. How many of you have an enemy in your life? Okay. If you don't, you just don't realize he's there. All right. (laughs) Verse 2. Look at verse 2. And some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim to fast throughout Judah. If you get afraid, start seeking God. If you feel fear in your life coming at you, it's your time and your season to, to talk to God. To actually start to communicate with God. Don't let the fear start to dictate your life. Amen. Come on, keep that in mind. Remember, when you begin to prosper, the enemy is going to attack you. There's going to be something that comes at your life. There's going to be something that presses against you. Whether it's a pressure, whether it's an adversary, whatever it is. When you begin to prosper in a way, there's something that's going to come against you. It's, it is inevitable. You cannot get beyond it. And remember we talked about how you're going to make this the best year ever. You're going to stand against trials. Trials. Expect trials to come. What if we were told? James says, count it all joy. When you face diverse trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce patience and let patience have its perfect work in you. You're not being patient just to be patient. Patience does something to you. You're going to let patience have its perfect work in you. That you having all sufficiency. (laughs) Patience makes you complete. Makes you complete. Expect an adversary, but expect that he's just going to reveal more of your completeness. Isaiah 26. Go to Isaiah 26 right now. We're going to move real quick through these next ones because I really want to get, uh, want to get something really clear for you. Everybody understand what I'm talking about right now? All right. Isaiah 26, verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about in the day that people start to actually grasp God's presence. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. In other words, we have a strong city. When we start to understand, we'll start to declare not how bad our city is, but that this is God's city. 
Amen. When your faith starts to kick in, when you start to trust the Lord, you will stop saying, my city's terrible. And you'll start saying, my city's blessed. This is the city of God. This is the city. This is God's city. This is God's city. Matter of fact, we have a strong city. (laughs) Yeah. We have a strong city. But didn't your city file bankruptcy? Yes. And it's stronger than ever. But didn't your city fire its police chief? Yes. And it's stronger than ever. Wouldn't you have crime going up in your city? Yes, but not for long. Why? Because we have a strong city. <laughs> All right, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. Here we go. Verse 2, open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. (laughs) See, sometimes we try to close our communities to keep things from coming in. He said, open the gate and let something in. (laughs) Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. In other words, God's people need to enter into places that are thought of as not good so it can become good. If the church... I don't want to fuss. <laughs> All right. Real quickly, uh, go to verse 9. Verse 9. No, no, no. Go back to verse 3. I'm sorry. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Verse 4 then says, trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. Amen. He's everlasting strength. Go to Isaiah 7 real quickly. Isaiah 7. I want to equip you to deal with the rest of this election, and I want to equip you to deal with this disease that's out here, this virus that is bringing fear to everybody. I want you to be so strong in the word that you're not afraid. And not only, you're, not only are you not afraid, you're able to comfort others who are afraid. Amen. Because, see, it's really about this word getting into our hearts and not just in our heads. Amen. Verse 7. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzzah, the king of Judah, that, Re- that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalah, King of Israel went up to Jerusalem to make war against it. So yet again, here's somebody else coming to make war against Israel. Look at this. But could not prevail against it. See, they gathered and they came to fight against Israel, but they could not prevail against Israel. I think somewhere I read, I believe it's Matthew chapter 16. Actually, I know it is. I'm just playing with y'all. But in Matthew chapter 16, what did Jesus say? He said, behold, I'm, I'm building this kingdom. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of will not prevail against it. I say to you, you are Petra, Peter, 
the rock. <laughs> but could not prevail against it. Next verse. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Serious forces are depleted, excuse me, deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of the people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved in the wind. Next verse. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jasub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool and the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet. When you get into big time, is not the time to start making big confessions. I am so scared right now. Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. For those two stubs of smoking firebrands, <laughs> he's calling these two people that are coming against him stubs of smoking firebrands. Take heed, be quiet, do not fear, be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin in Syria and the son of Ramila, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramila have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it. Let us make a gap in its four walls for ourselves. And set a king over them, the son of Tabel. So what's happening here is, is that these people have decided they're coming against Israel. And they not only have decided that they're going to come, they're going to come and they said, we're going to remove their rulers who are telling them the right thing to do. And we're going to put rulers over them to tell them what we want them to do. Let's trouble it. Let's make a gap in its walls. Next verse. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. See, there, there are things in your life that sometimes are coming against you. Look at this. We'll read the rest of this. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, so it will not even be a people. In other words, the ones that trouble you sometimes, they're not going to survive. They're coming to come against you, and you're going to survive longer than them. Go back to the verse before that. One more time. There we go. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand. So there's a disease out here. It's not going to stand. The virus is not going to stand. Is it going to touch a lot of people? Absolutely. Is, it going to, is, is people going to sick? Yes. Are people going to die? Yes, but it's not going to stand. Where is SARS right now? Yeah. See, don't get afraid because there's always going to be something that comes. There's always going to be something that comes, but you have to be of, your, of the mind that you're going to be both wise and full of faith. Full of wisdom and full of faith. And what's wisdom? Wisdom is don't go around doing stuff that's going to invite something to get on you. Right? Be wise, right? Somebody's, ah, 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 come here, baby. Come here. No, come on now. Be wise. If there was ever time for a side hug, that would be the time. Love you. <laughs> 
Number two, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Sometimes people in here, they say, don't, don't touch me, pastor, I'm sick. Come here. I'm going to hug you anyway because I'm not afraid. I'm also not going to kiss you. But I'm, I'm going to gonna not touch you. I'm not going to fail to share love with you as a result. Right? Go to John chapter, 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. I got to close. 1 John chapter 4. You are a masterpiece. But if you're in fear, your masterpiece will not be revealed. If you are afraid, your masterpiece will not be seen. If you're living in fear of, of anything, and now this just happens to be one thing that is out here for people to be afraid of. But you have to be aware that you're going to be an overcomer. First John chapter 4, verse 15, let's... Let's go. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Keep your focus on love. Because love is, is of a God. That's what we've seen and known. That God is love. Verse 16, we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear where? One more time, there's no fear where? In love. But perfect love does what? Casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. See, when the fear is out here, when the fear and the panic is out there, it's paralyzing your ability to walk in love. Because your fear makes you, puts you into mode of self-protection. And you can't love others when you're under lockdown. See, fear begins to rob you of the expression of God in your life. <laughs> the expression of God in your life is love. So you need to let that perfect love push out the fear that's in our lives. The fear that's coming against us, the fear that's trying to paralyze you, the fear that doesn't want you to do or perform, the fear that doesn't want you being able to express God's biggest love. <laughs> praise the lord i got something else i want to give you before i close because i need you to grab something praise the lord show me where it is holy spirit go back to isaiah 7 one more time do we go to isaiah 7 go back there one more time
Go all the way down to verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. Yeah, there we go. That's what I missed. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramila's son. If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. That's what I wanted to get the point. Our faith, our faith in the time of crisis is what helps us be established. Believe God and we're going to be established, right? Trust in the Lord and you will be established. But trusting the Lord requires faith and your faith is what's under attack. Your faith is why you're a threat to the adversaries. Your faith becomes the thing that, that the enemy tries to strip you of to get you not to believe. If the enemy can get you not to believe in who you are or that you're God's masterpiece, then you will never become a blessing to others. Because at the time you need to bless them, you'll draw back. Perfect love is going to cast out fear, but if you will not believe, you shall not be established. You are going to be established because you're going to believe. Listen, I'm going to close now, my third close, because I'm looking at the clock. I actually have more time than I thought, so go to uh, uh, Proverb 91, excuse me, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. If you will not believe, you will not be established. Which suggests that if you do believe, you will be established. Now we've been talking about the fact that you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. But we've also been saying that the fact that if if you're not in faith, you'll draw back from the works. But Psalm 91 is David who did not even have Christ, but he knew God. Making a declaration that we want to understand. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place of the Most High is God's presence. The secret place. In other words, it's a place that everybody doesn't know where it is. It's a place where everybody can't discern where it is. It's a place you can't figure out with your mind. It's a secret place. And a secret is only revealed to those who it is told to. If I have a secret and I don't tell you, then you don't know the secret. But if somebody else tells you, then what have they done? They've revealed the secret. In the secret place of the Most High, you shall abide. To abide means to live. It's not a secret place that you get to sometimes. God said, I want you to live here. I want you to dwell in this place. I want you to dwell in this place that is not accessible to everybody. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. What is he doing? He's making a declaration of trust because he that trusts in the Lord will be established. I will trust in the Lord. He's my refuge and my fortress. And I want you to notice something. He says, I will say it. It means you have to say it. 
You need to speak it out. You need to say, God is my fortress. God is my refuge. Well, people won't understand if I say it. That's okay. I need God to hear it. <laughs> I don't need them to hear it. <laughs> I don't need the people who are already afraid to coach me on how to be afraid. I can be afraid easily. But I need to know what God's God say that helps me not be afraid. Because see, sometimes we're living our life and we're in denial about being afraid. But the fact of the matter is our actions reveal that we are. Amen. <laughs> I'll keep on track. Verse 3. Surely. What does surely mean? <laughs> Somebody said it means surely, right? Surely means surely. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That is the trap of one who's hunting birds. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the perilous pestilence. He will deliver you from traps and from pestilence. Pestilence, I think we could say pandemics. Verse 4, he shall cover you with his feathers because his wings, right? He's going to cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. Refuge. What is a refuge? A place of safety. He's, his truth. Tell your neighbor, say, not your truth. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. So a shield is what you consciously hold in front of you, and a buckler is what gets strapped to you to protect what you don't see coming. <laughs> he will be both your shield and buckler. You should not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness. What is the pestilence walking in darkness? It's something you can't see. It's the unknown. It's the unknown. No, the pestilence is walking in the unknown. Right? Every year, from January to April, people are coughing and sneezing. Every year, all for 55 years, I can think back. During that time, people are coughing and sneezing, always, every year. But now, we have something else that says, if you're coughing and sneezing, you might have it. Coughing and sneezing is part of the human life. You can't live without coughing and sneezing. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm on that quite a bit today, so I'm going to keep on moving nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your habitation, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. 
For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion. You will walk on the lion <laughs> and the serpent. I think most of us believe the serpent we can step on. Most of us don't believe we can walk on the lion. <laughs> you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in the trouble and deliver him in honor. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You need to take Psalm 91 and you need to just meditate it on every day. You need to just take it and just read it and think about it and ponder on it and let God talk to your heart concerning it because you want to walk like this. You want to walk like this. You want to walk like this that your confidence, remember, if you believe him, you'll be established. And so we need to take this and believe this word. He said, well, maybe not all pestilence. No, all pestilence. All of it. No, it says, it says with long life, he's going to satisfy me and show me his salvation. So my confession is with long life, God is going to satisfy me. He's going to show me his salvation with long life. He's going to satisfy me. So when the enemy wants to say, well, you know, your father died at this age and your grandfather died at this age. Well, that's fine. You know, I'm sorry to see him go. However, with long life, he's going to satisfy me. Because you have to make your own confession of faith. You have to stand in your declaration. You have to say, he is my healer. You, he is what he's going to be. And your confession needs to be what establishes you and allows you not to fall because you always can go back and remember, he is made me his masterpiece. A masterpiece is an enduring creation. It's something that is made flawless. It's something that has, is, is made in a perfect way. That's what you have been made to be. You have been made as a masterpiece. And you're going to release the masterpiece by the confession of your faith. You're going to release the masterpiece by holding on to what is prophetically spoken to you through the word and moving out into that. Then when people prophetically speak to you, it should agree with the word that's already in your heart. And when it agrees in your heart, it should strengthen you and establish you to even deeper ways so that you are able to move beyond what you can ask or think. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, with long life, God is going to satisfy me and show me his salvation. Come on. Make this declaration. A thousand, say this, a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Come on. It's not coming near me. Now, if you see me coughing, don't worry about it. It ain't going to be, ain't no big deal. Just say, it's March, pastor's coffin. That's it. This suit shall pass. And guess what? If it does get on me, it ain't going to take me out. Because I'm an overcomer. 
And guess what? If it took me out, I won. Because I'm a Christian. <laughs> my destination, my home is heaven. So I'm not afraid if I go. Now, I got to be here to do the work I'm called to do. And you got to be here to do work you called to do. Because I don't want to get to heaven without my full reward. But you don't have a reward if we're not being productive because we're stuck in fear. Amen. Be not afraid, for I am thy God. Amen. Let's stand on your feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day. I pray that the word of the Lord would strengthen everyone here. I pray that everyone here, Lord, would receive that solid foundation, that solid rock, that they would stand on the rock in which they have been placed. I thank you, Lord, that the word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, I thank you that it says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But we're established. So, Father, I thank you for establishing your people on the rock of the word. I thank you that the revelation of the word in our hearts is going to strengthen us. I thank you, Lord, that even as it's strengthening us now, it is making us able to minister to those who are right now living their lives in fear. Lord, let every person... Thanks for listening to today's message titled, Release the Masterpiece, from our series titled, The Best Year Ever. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On the site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. And on our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. If you'd like to join us for a live service, go to the website and click on the About Us tab and get more information on service times and directions. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.